WOWDLP, Tacoma Park. Dear listeners, you are tuned to Wowdy Tacoma Radio, and this is Interfaith-ish. I'm Sue Katz-Miller, and I'll be sitting in for your regular host, Jack Gordon, for the next few episodes. Interfaith-ish airs every other Wednesday right here on Tacoma Radio, where we bring you bold conversations about what we do or do not believe, why we draw on ancient or modern religious practices, and how we navigate the common ground and differences in our increasingly diverse religious world. And to that end, we've got two terrific guests in the studio today. First, all the way from Frederick, Maryland this morning, we have Reverend Carl Gregg, minister of the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Frederick, and he's going to help us understand some of the mysteries of the Unitarian Universalist world. Good morning, and thank you for braving the lousy traffic to get here, Carl. I'm glad to be here. Uh, and then, fresh back from a trip to Ethiopia, we have Tababu Asefa, founder of Blessed Coffee and a community leader in the local Ethiopian-American community. He's going to act as a resource for us today on the diversity of religions in Ethiopian communities here and abroad. Welcome, Tababu. Thank you. This is going to be a fascinating conversation, exploring our pluralistic local religious landscape. And we're going to get straight into some interfaith Ish. So the way that this program works is that I'm going to interview one guest and then the other, and then they're going to mix it up and ask each other questions, and it gets really wild. And I'm going to start this morning with Carl. So you have come from Frederick to educate us and help us to understand a bit more about Unitarian Universalism and the UU identity. My understanding is that Unitarian Universalism is kind of a mouthful, and people who uh, are part of this community tend to refer to themselves as UUs. Am I right about that? And what does this punchy acronym UU represent uh, in your experience? Sure. I mean, I could talk historically, but it might be better just to say that one of the ways we uh, describe Unitarian Universalism is that we're not a creedal people, we're a covenantal people. So we've set aside that question of creed, of what do we believe in common. So if you think about the, you know, the Apostles' Creed, we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, that we've set aside the creedal question because we discovered we don't always believe in common and mm -hmm. instead substitute this covenantal question of that's really kind of substituting ethics for theology of saying that how can we treat each other? What hopes do we share? What, uh, how can we uh, support each other in, in living well in this globalized, pluralistic, postmodern world that we find ourselves in? Yeah, I can see how that, that would be appealing to a lot of people in this region. Um, are there a lot of UUs in the Washington area? There are. It's one of the most heavily uh, populated uh, areas for Unitarian Universalism. The, the old joke in the 19th century was that Unitarianism was about the fatherhood of God, the brotherhood of man, and the neighborhood of Boston. But the, uh, it's become uh, much more uh, humanist, much more uh, pluralistic, and, and much more uh, widespread, including you know, D.C. being one of the most heavily densest populated areas of of UUs in the country, or in the world, I guess. 
So we're here at Tacoma Radio talking to our first guest, Reverend Carl Gregg from Frederick, and he's explaining a bit about Unitarian Universalism. Um, I actually would like to go into the history of how you became a hyphenated uh, religion. What, sure. What's the difference between Unitarian and Universalist, and how did they come together into a single religious movement? Sure. Uh, very, very briefly, uh, uh, the the Unitarian half of our heritage comes out of the radical side of the Reformation, so in the 1500s, mm. when you think about Luther and Calvin and Zwingli and all those people, that the, the Unitarians, you get some names like Michael Servetus, who wrote a book with the, uh, you know, Fair, not very subtle title on the heirs of the Trinity. Uh, they, they got him into some trouble that ultimately got him killed for that book. So uh, it's the idea is it's Unitarian as opposed to Trinitarian. Correct. Right. Correct. And so the Unitarian half of our heritage comes out of that radical reformation in the 1500s. The Universalist side comes more out of the really the late 1700s, so a little bit before the founding of this country, uh, you got people, again, kind of rejecting Calvinism and say, rejecting this idea that uh, uh, of, of, of people having uh, original sin or having, uh, and of course, being damned to hell. And so that idea of universal salvation, and that again kind of morphed, it, it, instead of a rejection of hell in the next world, it, it morphed into sort through you use like or universalists like Clara Barton into a loving the hell out of this world. Mm. So it became very mm. kind of this worldly. And then in 1961, the Unitarian, um, the American Unitarian Association merged with the uh, Universalist Church in America. So in 61, kind of think about the Kennedy administration, think of that kind of hope and uh, that kind of you of the early 60s, they, they merged in 1961 to form the Unitarian Universalist Association. Okay, so we're having an awesome, geeky, religious history right. moment here right. in Tacoma Radio at 94.3. Um, you use, I think, are known, if people know them, mm -hmm. as a particularly liberal, activist, progressive uh, movement. Can you talk a little bit about the kinds of movements that you use are involving themselves in right now and sort of pushing those kinds of liberal policies? Absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, technically we are a theologically liberal movement, so there is actually room to be uh, some room on the political spectrum that you can't, you actually have famous figures like William Howard Taft was of course a, a Unitarian as well as a Republican president and I Supreme Court Justice. That. So there, there are some, you know, John Adams, so there, there's some, you know, historically people that were both politically conservative and theologically liberal. I think over time due to a lot of things, you know, kind of Vietnam War, that they kind of, made congregations to have an increasing alignment of both theological liberalism and political liberalism uh, very briefly. That word, in some ways, I think you use are libertarian as much as they're uh, liberal, that that Latin word liber, freedom. Uh, so there's a lot of freedom of conscience, freedom to go where you uh, feel led. At the same time, I think you use have become known. You sometimes see those yellow T-shirts, uh, the you side with love campaign. And so you see you use being at the forefront of the work for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender rights, for immigration justice, for 
so that that has become something you use our node from of you know so when you talk about siding with love we just had a primary night here in maryland you know what does it mean to vote on to vote on the side of love mm-hmm. you know and that's mm-hmm. so how do we how do we vote our values yeah and i think another way in which you use are known to be open and liberal is that they encompass a lot of other religious heritages and there are uus who claim dual heritages so that i know there are uu buddhists uu jews uu atheists uu christians uu pagans yeah yes, all of yeah. that and so mm-hmm. how does that work in the context of say a congregation sure yeah so we we're a big tent movement and on in our main sunday service uh we typically we draw different sundays from different um, parts of that we have six explicit sources and the uh, that range from direct experience to the world's religions i sometimes say that we draw um from the fullness of the world's religious traditions balanced with the insights of modern science and that but in addition to that main you sunday service where you know one sunday i might be focusing the theme of the service you know drawn from the new york times or from the a latest science discovery but in the next sunday it might be out of the hindu vedas or from a buddhist um, sutra and so it just all depends on the week. But in addition to that, we have um, groups that, you know, before or after the service, we have like a UU Buddhist group that'll meet and meditate for an hour, or discuss a Dharma talk, or we have a atheist humanist agnostic group that'll meet to discuss. And we have a very thriving um, pagan community. We have a Christian, you know, a progressive Christian group. So that we have these ways you can both everyone be together and be in conversation, as well as uh, groups that will support people in going deeply into a tradition, even as they're also in community and conversation with um, a diverse uh, big tent. Mm. We're here at Tacoma Radio talking with our guest, Reverend Carl Gregg from the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Frederick. Here at Interfaith-ish on our show, we often find ourselves talking about how even individually we are crossing interfaith boundaries, we are representing complex religious identities. And would you talk a little bit about your own journey and sort of how you became a UU minister and the ways in which you reach out in your own personal experience across religious boundaries? Of course, yeah. So I was raised a Southern Baptist in Florence, South Carolina, kind mm. of a big steeple, 800-member congregation. And it it wasn't, um, you know, some people really feel like their childhood religion, when it's conservative, is sometimes really toxic and limiting. It's what I sometimes what is sometimes called vampire Christianity, only one Jesus for his blood. Uh, <laughs> I, I also got, I didn't get that as much as, I got a little bit of that, but I also got... Um, you know, they'll know we are Christians by our love, and by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So uh, in college, uh, I started drifting more liberal, got involved with the Alliance of Baptists, which is a very progressive, small progressive faction of, of Baptist life, and then uh, served in two progressive Christian congregations. So for uh, seven years as an associate minister in Northeast Louisiana, two years in Southern Maryland, and then uh, six years ago um, began serving a Unitarian Universalist congregation. Uh, Backing up slightly in 2007, I did get married to uh, my wife, who is Jewish. And so she was raised in a Reformed Jewish background. So even, and, and she actually is an interfaith child. So she's the child of a Reformed Jewish woman who was married to a Roman Catholic man, uh, but was raised Jewish. And 
even though is very interested in Christianity, was a religion reporter, was never going to join a Christian congregation as as a Jew, whereas uh, she can and is a member of this Unitarian Universalist congregation where she doesn't have to set aside, she can be the fullness of her Judaism as well as um, be UU. Fascinating. So we're here at Interfaith-ish, and this morning we're talking about Unitarian Universalism, and then we're also going to talk about religion in the Ethiopian context. Uh, these are both communities right here in our neighborhood, and I'm speaking with neighbors. Uh, final question, and you started sort of addressing this. I think most people don't really understand, are you use Christian, or are they not Christian? I know this is a big topic of discussion, but... How do you address that? Oh, sure. So again, to very briefly touch on the history, all the way through the 19th century, the vast majority of both Unitarians and Universalists would have identified as theologically liberal Christians. That started changing in the early 20th century with the humanist movement and Unitarian Universalism, and then it became increasingly pluralistic. So I would say at this point, there are absolutely a minority, I would say, of UUs who would identify as... as um, as UU Christians, and there are ways in which Unitarian Universalism is very shaped by Protestant Christianity. Uh, but overall, I would say most UUs just identify as UU, and Christianity is, you know, Judaism and Christianity together are one of the six sources that we draw from, but uh, only one of six. Okay, got it. Listeners, you're here with Interfaith-ish, and we've been talking with Carl Gregg, minister at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Frederick. I'm Sue Katz-Miller, sitting in for your regular host, Jack Gordon, and my second guest this morning is Tababu Asefa. Tababu, you're known around Tacoma as the founder of Blessed Coffee, and I know you're just back from a trip to Ethiopia on coffee business. I'd love for you to talk a minute about the spiritual meaning of the coffee ceremony in Ethiopia and whether it's found across the whole religious landscape there, or is it really from a particular culture? Good morning. Uh, first, let me greet your audience with an Amharic uh, greetings. Ten Eisterling, which means peace, let peace be upon you, just like the introductory music. And, uh, and in the Ethiopian language, greeting is a prayer, uh, all aspects of greetings. And people will say, how, how's your morning? And you would say, let God be praised, let God be praised. And when you depart, you will say, if you say, I'll see you tomorrow, uh, the response will be, it is God's will. That said, uh, I want to make a quick correction. I'm a co-founder and <laughs> chief storyteller of Blessed Coffee. My beloved wife, Sarah, is a co-founder, chief of mission. Uh, we named it Blessed Coffee to symbolize the last cup of the Ethiopian coffee tradition when communities get together to celebrate community, to celebrate oneness, unity. And um, the first one is called the first brew. They sit in a circle, take time, everybody. Time is arrested, and they do the, the coffee ceremony three times. The first cup is tona, the second, uh, uh, first a bowl tona, and the last one is called baraka. Before the circle breaks out, everybody will stand. Elders, uh, elders in the community, be it Muslim or Christian, all neighbors will sit in a circle, and they'll give out prayers and blessings for the well-being of the community, and that's Baraka. So to symbolize that collective oneness, collective spiritual existence beyond religion, we named our initiative, our social enterprise, Place and Coffee. And uh, you know, I grew up, you know, listening to Carl. It's amazing. I grew up in a city where multi-faith people lived. 
that is Addis Ababa, the, the capital city, the center of Addis, the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, the Muslims who trace their back to the first Hijra. Uh, in fact, some claim the first mosque, mosque was was established in Ethiopia because during the war, uh, the Prophet Muhammad sent for safekeeping. He sent some of his followers, and they came and the, the uh, king at a time gave them refuge so that they can practice their religion. So the Ethiop the, the Muslims in Ethiopia traced their tradition to that to that age, and they lived in the, where I lived. And then there were the Italians who were Catholic. There were the Armenians who were Orthodox. There were the Indian teachers who came to teach us who were Hindu. So I I grew up in that bosom, and I think my parents are deeply re religious. If they they followed the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, that's very ancient. And as a child growing up in that space, I was so disconnected because. The practice of prayer was in Gez, which was Latin. It took five hours long. It was very boring and tedious. And uh, but I, I really re admired my my mom's, my dad's deep re religious uh, sense. I was really fascinated by that strength. But I also grew in the community. Also, that also raised me in the community, just much, as much as my family raised me. And quickly, I noticed. People can only be judged by the content of the character, not the religious they profess, or what the character they've become practicing the religion that they claim. So quickly at a young age, I realized religion is a means to an end. Religion is a practice that people have to go uh, throughout the day to be spiritually anchored. So I sensed, and then some of my Muslim friends were okay, some were divine, some were so-and-so. Just was any other any other form of religion. So quickly I realized one can only be judged by the content of his character no matter what he professes to be. So that was a very profound anchoring moment. Ever since then, I've, uh, I don't claim any religion, even though I respect all, but I care about my ultimate humanity. And I want my life, the things I do, the words I say, just like my language to be a prayer. To me, Blessed Coffee is a constant prayer. The, the purpose I have in my life is the work of God. And I don't have to have the, 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 the language to do it because God is within me. I am, I am part of this wonderful universe. Each and every one of us, uh, in each and every one of us, in our deepest of the soul, there is a fear of God, whether you believe it, whether you, you know how to articulate it. So I am from that. In fact, the religious tolerance in Ethiopia amazes me. In fact, I want to share that story with the world to bring uh, today. Just this morning, I was listening to our president, you know, exhuming deep-rooted hate for the Muslim, Muslim faith. And Muslim faith is his, you know, because if that is ultimately to be pure, to be kind, to make this confusing life bearable, we should all own our religions. So in Ethiopia, you know, I, my dad at a young age came to the city and worked for a person who was a Muslim businessman. And he made it possible for my dad to own his business. My dad, I remember him saying, it's not what people claim to be uh, by way of religion. It's who they are that matters. Mm, so mm. I think, I think well, for me, you know, here listening to Carl, maybe I was from a UU, you know, because <laughs> literally, literally. And if we are aware of that, in fact, the most important issue today, you know, that I see people take their isms, their religion, their philosophy, their status, for 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 the sense of their being, and that is break, bringing so much chaos and, and confusion because yes. we are no yes. more inclusive. Yes. 
Um, you're listening to Interfaith-ish on Tacoma Radio, and we're speaking with guest Tababu Asefa, co-founder of Blessed Coffee with my friend Sarah. Uh, would you take us back centuries to the origins of some of these religions in Ethiopia? Because it's so interesting. I think Americans with a lot of ignorance often view uh, our immigrant communities here as being sort of all one religion. And what's very striking here is the very ancient and very diverse religious practices from Ethiopia and, and how they've translated here. I presume we have Ethiopian Americans in our community locally who subscribe to Islam and to Ethiopian Orthodox and perhaps others. Yes. Um, you know, let me quickly tell you a joke to answer that question. A while back, this American missionary was sent to Ethiopia. And he was fascinated. You know, this is a land that had its religion for thousands and thousands of years. If you go to an Ethiopian, today, if you go to an Ethiopian Orthodox Church service, whether it be it in, 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 the, in the ancient Ethiopian Lalibela Church or here in D.C. for that matter, you will see the beginning of Christianity intertwined with Judaism. Mm. And the practice is so ancient, and this has been practiced for thousands and thousands of years. And the missionary who went to Ethiopia was embarrassed because this is a country that had embraced religion before two, three, four thousand uh, was counting. And the point I'm trying to make, uh, you know, people assume so much or they function from their their lack of knowledge. Yeah. And in Ethiopia, as I said earlier, the Muslims traced their, their religion, their Muslim religion, to the time of the first Hijrah, at the time of the Prophet Muhammad. And Ethiopian orthodoxy is so ancient. In fact, uh, the other day I was, I was listening to a professor, Isaac, a very prominent Ethiopian scholar in, in, in Judaism, and Yemeni Jew from Ethiopia, as well as Ethiopian Orthodox Church. At one moment, you will fail to see the difference. In fact, I'll tell you, in New York, I went one time to the coffee ceremony for the annual Sigd. Sigd is to bow, to be humble before God. Sigd is a holiday, a religious holiday of the Ethiopian Jewish. They've been practicing it for years and years and years. Now they went to Israel. That religious holiday was completely lost, and they had to fight. There was a big debate, and eventually it was embraced because it was not a social religion. It was a spiritual religion deeply rooted in Judaism. Sigd is to humble yourself before God. So they were celebrating their ancient tradition, and in the service, they had the Ethiopian case, the Ethiopian rabbi from the ancient time. He was dressed like an Ethiopian Orthodox Church case, and the modern Ethiopian rabbi from the Ethiopian Jewish community, and they were celebrating the service on the same platform, and the practice, the, the, the Ethiopian Jewish uh, case or head was doing was, you know, right before your eyes, you can see, depending on what perspective, it is Ethiopian Orthodox Church, it is the Judaism, it's just one and the same. And so, right. to answer your question, Ethiopia, you know, the three, for a lack of a better example, Abrahamic religion, if we can say that, are deeply rooted in that entity, not only in not religious, religious fabric, also on their social and cultural and spiritual dynamics. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
yes, I tend not to call them Abrahamic religions yeah. because patriarchy but we don't have a good alternative term yet so yes. i still go back to using. i mean it. i use that quotation to i say saw that. you yeah. make your air quotes yeah. thank you for mm. that um and then just briefly here in the dc area this is one of the largest ethiopian cultural centers in the world now i don't do you have numbers on that but um of the people that you know who do belong to a congregation or worship locally are there large known uh, Ethiopian religious centers here in DC or Silver Spring? I'd be interested to hear about those. Yes, uh, the Ethiopian community in the, in the DMV area doesn't, is not bounded by the jurisdictions of the political jurisdiction. They live it's like one community, and they you see them moving and moving out and in depending on what they do, whether they go to a restaurant or they go to um, a church. Most of the churches claim about two, 3,000, the Orthodox churches claim about three, two, 3,000 congregations. And they practice the faith like it's been practiced way, way back. And I have my family, they're very deeply religious. And both on the Muslim on, and the Christians, we, we don't have the Jew community, Ethiopian Jewish, they have it in New York. Um, they live together in harmony. In fact, when, is there, when I was a kid, when there is a religious holiday, it all belonged to us. We looked at the feast, the celebration. So the, the Ramadan, we fasted to eat the, the food, and the, my, my Muslim Christians will come to celebrate Christmas with us. So we shared even that, that, that tradition. So it and, is, and does that continue here? Yes, it is. Nice. In fact, there was a big demonstration in Addis last Saturday in support of the new prime minister, and I saw pictures of a Muslim leader and a Christian case, arm on shoulder, walking together. Mm, mm. I mean, you know, it's just amazing image, uh, like embracing each other like brothers, nice. with a smile, walking without having any fear, bonded by their tradition and 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 their their recognition, their recognition of the faith as as bigger than the, the one that they practice. Nice, yeah. We're here on Interfaith-ish, your program every other Wednesday morning on Tacoma Radio. We have been listening to brief interviews with Carl Gregg, Unitarian Universalist minister from the Unitarian Universalist congregation in Frederick, and Tababu Asefa, co-founder of Blessed Coffee, who's been explaining a bit about the religious history of Ethiopia. And now in the second half of our show, we get really wild. <clears throat> and we encourage them to ask each other deeply respectful and yet possibly provocative questions. And I know both of these guests, and I think they can handle it. Take it away, Carl and Tababu. Tell me a little bit more about the differences you see between, because it sounds like you've been to Ethiopia many times, between how you see Ethiopian Orthodox Christianity practiced in Ethiopia compared or contrasted with how you see it uh, manifesting here in the U.S. What a very good question. Um, you know, Ethiopians are very, very deeply committed to their religious practice, and uh, uh, it's not bounded by where they live. They bring their practice, they bring their religion, and they do it to the T's like it's been done. Uh, the ritual is very, very important. It's ancient. They don't flinch an inch. So they've managed, no matter what uh, the pressure of life puts uh, uh, on them here in the U.S., uh, when it comes to religious practice, that's one place where they don't compromise. Like during the breaking of the fast of uh, Easter, uh, prayer is till like 3 o'clock in the morning, and then after 3, 
the families would congregate that uh, the elders of the family the of uh, the family to break to break the fast from three to four five they will sit and and break fast and give thanks and no matter where they live if their family they would drive whatever it takes so um, and, and 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 fasting every Friday and every every Wednesday is uh, very strict fasting and there are several fasting seasons no matter what they're very 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 committed to mm-hmm. all aspects of their their practice so you don't see any differences as such that's the only thing they've managed to keep mm-hmm. and from what i hear you saying it's not, it sounds like and i've experienced some parallel things mm-hmm. though tell me if i'm wrong that there's a real power that is gained by doing these practices that have such deep roots that have this deep resonance and echo of having been done generation after generation after generation Yes. Uh, another, in fact, uh, come to think of it, as you're asking me, just came to me. Uh, any, uh, practice in the Ethiopian Orthodox Church is not a, 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 uh, an individual thing. Mm-hmm. It's a collective thing. Uh, and the, the churches are built in a circular shape. There is holies of holies. There are three interiors. And on the second the circle, the, the priests will line up and they will, med- they will chant uh, and they will dance and, and the congregation will follow. Mm-hmm. It's a as a, a performance mm-hmm. of spiritual fo- performance, and incense will burn, so it's a transformational space. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily a one-to-one where the the pastor will preach and the and the congregation will say amen, you know, taking intellectual prayers uh, or spiritual guidance. It's a collective performance, mm-hmm. and uh, that is very, very, very important. I mean, for they will do it for six, five, six hours. Yeah, it sounds yeah. quite embodied, exactly. quite kind of a symphony for the senses. Yes, and, yes. Yeah. Being one, being mm-hmm. they do it just like the beasts do collectively. Mm-hmm. It's a rhythm. It's a symphony of yeah. spiritual manifestation. And you had mentioned this coffee ceremony. Can mm-hmm. you tell me a little bit more about? I mean, does that have more to do with this this business you've started, or is that actually, you know? Tell me more about that. I was uh, hoping not to, to speak the, too much about Blessed Coffee, and I will because, <laughs> uh, you know, Blessed Coffee is uh, a social business. Okay. Uh, we're, we're leveraging the power of business to be spiritual harmony in our community. And uh, business cannot be destructive. That's the whole premises, if there is any philosophy or psychology or uh, religion to it. Uh, what we're trying to do here in the U.S., it's a me, 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 me culture. I'm going to advance at the expense of your cause, at the expense of you or my brother or my sister. We know each other's keeper. That's a covenant of religion for the most part, our collective being, as I said. So in the Ethiopian context, coffee is an iconic, spiritual, social performance where oneness is created. So people, whether it is in the city or in the rural area, whether it is in the rich house or poor house, whether it is in the Muslim or Christian, sometimes mixed, one, one, once a day, after lunch, everybody takes, drops, whatever they do. They sit and do a collective social gathering. The, the purpose is to bring oneness. And uh, everything is arrested. Nothing moves. They, they sit in a circle. They, they roast the coffee. Even the aroma of the coffee itself will, will calibrate your psyche to settle down. And frankincense is burned. Frankincense in the hip context is burned in a spiritual space. To, uh, to, to make you feel at ease. So in that space, they will talk about their daily affairs. If there is a news from one family, we'll, we'll share with the other. If you have dreamt a dream the night before, the elder who knows how to translate the dream will translate it for you. And you laugh, 
you 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 express expression of sadness if there is as such and then at the end they in fact i took one set a group of people to the other, southern of southern part of ethiopia filmmakers to see a tree planting project and this village about 75 members of the village waited for us and they did a coffee ceremony and we had to stop we're in a rush we had to stop sit with them and at the end you know the elder 75 people from young to the, the eight the, the elderly at the end about six seven you know elderly christians and muslims they they got up and they started giving up prayers and everybody stood they closed their eyes extending their arms and they were receiving the blessing amen 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 it was a prayer a collective prayer and my film my filmmaker friends from england us canada they wanted to capture that with their camera but they knew it was a a strong spiritual oneness and they could not break it so even their um, ambitious uh, aggressive western uh, western ambition professional ambition was arrested by that power <laughs> and so coffee ceremony is as i said i want my my life the thing i do the song i sing to be a spiritually tuning calming calming effect mm -hmm. so, so if i'm yeah. understanding correctly the coffee ceremony is more ethiopian than ethiopian christian but it's it's also a place where a multi-religious oh, people come across oh, sacred you see it in the yeah. Muslim community you will see it in the Ethiopian Jewish community you will see it in the uh, Christian community you will see it in the community I mean when you're if you're my neighbor you're a Muslim you're invited to the, mm -hmm. the coffee culture there's no difference so yeah you're listening to interfaith ish on Wowdy 94.3 we're here with our guests Carl Gregg Minister at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation in Frederick, and Tababu Asefa, co-founder of Blessed Coffee. And they're asking each other questions about our religious complexities, our religious history, our religious communities, and how we all get along here in the DC area. Uh, Tababu, did you have questions about Unitarian Universalism yes, for yes. Carl? Yes, I do, I do. As I was listening to your intro, I was fascinated by the many diverse spiritual perspectives coming together to create a space where they can share their common spiritual existence. That's very fascinating. So how do, at the end, the, the diverse people in your congregation, on a human level, how do they transact? What happens? I mean, that's, fasc that's fascinating for me. It's not what you practice, what you do at the end. Mm -hmm. not, not, the, not the, the form, the essence of your practice. Mm -hmm. So on the human level, uh, would they do they break bread after after church? Do they do they connect with one another in their regular lives? Do they share their dreams? What happens after that? Diverse people come into your space mm -hmm. and and ex ex sharing that. Uh, Sure. No, good question. I mean, uh, speaking of coffee, we have coffee hour. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that is, is sacramental in yeah. its own way at a UU congregation. So we have tea as well, you know, water, whatever you're into. But, but that, that is a time that we invite. One of the ways I frame it for people is, you know, we invite you to linger if you're able and we can get to know each other a little better to, to share about what did get you here? What, what does keep you coming back? And that one of the things I frame regularly for the leadership of my congregation is that you know we're we have to be better than brunch 
We have to be better than staying in your pajamas and reading the New York Times, you know, or watching the Sunday shows or sleeping in. And all of those are really great things. And so I think that the reason what people do find and, and the three kind of keywords for us for our congregation are spirituality, community, and justice. Wonderful. And so I think that that's what brings people together is to have that kind of direct spiritual experience to build this diverse, beloved community that the sense that we don't have to do it alone. You know, uh, you spoke a little bit earlier about this. We're, we're in some hard times in our country right now for progressive, open-minded, open-hearted people. And I think coming together in a diverse, open-minded, progressive community reminds people that we don't have to do it alone. We're, we're stronger together. And, and, that to, and that working for justice, that we can uh, augment each other's voices and, and amplify and that much more is possible together than we could ever do alone. Wonderful. Well, yeah, that finds us at the mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Here on Interfaith-ish, you're listening to conversation between a Unitarian Universalist minister and an Ethiopian-American community leader. I'm Sue Katz-Miller. I'm sitting in for your regular host, Jack Gordon, who's away for a few weeks, and I'm looking forward to being here over the next two weeks with you and bringing you more Interfaith-ish. Listening to the two of you, I'm having this brainstorm that in almost every religion I can think of, there is a spirituality around drinking from a vessel. You have the Ethiopian coffee ceremony, you have the Kiddush cup in Judaism, you have, of course, in Christianity, the communion ritual. Um, Even in Buddhism, you have great Buddhist leader Thich Nhat Hanh has a famous meditation on a cup of tea. And in Unitarian Universalism, there's also something called the chalice. Can you explain a little bit about the chalice, uh, Carl? And I guess you don't drink out of it because it's flame, flaming, right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, so Unitarian Universalism is sometimes called the living tradition and part of how that symbolized, because it is growing, that we sometimes say revelation is not sealed. We're open to what, you know, what's continuing to be revealed. And part of that is symbolized by that, that flame in the center of the chalice. It actually is rooted in World War II with the, what's known as the UU service committee um, doing work against fascism um, and for justice, they actually needed a seal to make documents look official. So that's actually where that symbol comes from. And uh, around that chalice with the flame in it, and it does have ancient religious roots, similar to what Sue is speaking of, but there are actually two overlapping circles, and that actually represents Unitarianism and Universalism. And you'll you'll see, at least in that historic chalice, the, the chalice itself is kind of cruciform. It actually is intentionally the flame mm. and the sides of the chalice uh, and the stem are intentionally cross-like, but they're slightly to the side, kind of showing that Christianity is deeply at the heart of what we do, but is now slightly off-center, is now one among many instead of the one. Mm. Wow, fascinating. What do you think about this idea that uh, drinking, holding a vessel, what is that? It's very primal. It's very, it's about that embodiment. It's about the practice, the sensuality of religion that to me is somehow more powerful and universal than the creeds, the ideas, the, the policies. It's something that really is powerful, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, the other day I was reading an article in the same context, people who break the same bread mm. and the same meal 
tend to agree more on a, on a conversation than people who would eat different meal and come to the space and discuss the same thing. Hmm. And th so I think that the crucial point to me is our common, common, common existence. Like a transformer, we're a body, we're part of a big body. If we don't come together to act as a community, like a wave of bees, if we break that relationship between my, my, I am who I am, I am because we are, because we are, therefore I am. If we manage to synchronize our collective humanity, whether it is in prayer, whether it is in sharing from a cup or eating a bread, I think we tend to connect on a human level, a deeper level. We, we recognize each other, each other in our humanity. I think that's very profound to me. And I was fascinated to know people who eat the same bread as opposed to different and agree, tend to agree on a discussion they have, no matter what kind of discussion. So mm. it's deeply profound, yeah. And often there is the imbibing from a vessel, and then there is that bread, yeah. which crosses many cultures many in cultures. different forms. I have to admit, I was at recently a, a, an event with Tababu where we were uh, wishing his son good luck as he was going off to Ethiopia for a service trip. And there was a, a big a contingent of Ethiopian community there to see him off. And we had a, a breaking of, a, of the bread yes. ceremony and I, I wasn't familiar with mm -hmm. it. And it was a very uh, amazing loaf of bread. Can you tell us a little bit oh, about yeah. that, Tababu? Um, actually, what uh, what uh, was yeah. that bread? It is an, another ancient Ethiopian practice that goes back to uh, the ancient uh, times um, before for, for celebration when families come together. Uh, break is baked for that purpose, and uh, and and then it's put before the community and uh, the, the elder in the family uh, to signify the coming together of celebration to give thanks to God. You will be given the knife, and then you will do the crossing. You 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 cut crossways, create the cross on the bread, and maybe it symbolizes the body of God because we have the same thing in the church. And and everybody eats from that bread, so mm -hmm. everybody is connected to that deep spiritual purpose of the, the event. It's in fact it's a holy bread, and, uh, uh, and it's ancient. It's, uh, yeah. It's, and this loaf of bread was how big? Oh, it was a big one, and <laughs> and big, it, it yeah. was like four feet it, across and about uh, yeah about three feet high. You it, know, it, I was joking. I said, "It's the first time I'm getting a chance to." Cut a bread and that social gathering and a communal gathering. Because you're an elder now. No, I guess. <laughs> the yeah. Other, see, the other piece I'd emphasize, um, and that I think this connects to the coffee ceremony, and part of why that's exciting is a place that people connect across um, cultures and diversities is that this whole eating together and who is allowed to eat together is deeply um, controversial. You look at things like the civil rights movement in the middle of the 20th century in this country about whether, you know, having black and white water fountains, having, you know, having to integrate lunch counters, that who eats together really matters and, and whether there are these common meeting spaces. Think about this recent um, Supreme Court decision around this, this cake shop and, you know, wedding cakes and that, um, you know, all of this, it really matters who eats together, who, who recognizes one another's basic humanity. And, um, absolutely. You're listening to WOWD Tacoma radio. You're here with interfaith ish. We're a show every other week on Wednesday mornings from nine to 10. 
where we have two guests from two different religious backgrounds in conversation with each other. And today we're listening to Unitarian Universalist Minister Carl Gregg from Frederick and Tababu Asefa, Ethiopian-American community leader and co-founder of Blessed Coffee. And we've just been talking about the powerful meaning behind drinking together, eating together, uh, being welcome at each other's tables, the idea that in the Ethiopian culture you have Orthodox Christians and Muslims performing the coffee ceremony together, um, and that this is a, a unity uh, performance, a unity experience for the community, both in Ethiopia and here. We're very lucky in Tacoma to have Tababu and his family who uh, invite us into this coffee ceremony on frequent occasions. We've done it out in the parking lot here at WOWD, I think at one of our uh, launch parties. And uh, Carl, you need to come hang out in Tacoma more often now that you know Tababu and, and do a coffee ceremony yeah. with us, right? Maybe I'll take it to Frederick where he's going to Yeah, yeah, yeah you should great. bring it to the mm -hmm. Unitarian mm -hmm. Universalist yes. Congregation of Frederick. Yeah. They would love it, wouldn't they? They would love it. Yeah. Yes, it's a gift I'd like to bring. Yeah, yes, that would be great. Yeah. yeah. Do you have Ethiopians all the way out in Frederick? Probably. I, I'm sure we do. Yeah. I'm sure we do. I had a friend who owned an Ethiopian restaurant a while back. She, yes, she, the yeah. Cuban restaurant downtown. Yeah. 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 yeah it's wonderful. Yeah. Um. So, are you? Did you have any other questions for each other? Um. Or I can jump back in. Yeah, jump back in. <laughs> okay. Um. I think. Carl, tell us, are there Unitarian Universalists in other parts of the world? I don't know if they have them in Ethiopia, but I know that they're found beyond the U.S. Sure. I don't know off the top of my head whether they're in Ethiopia yeah. or not. Certainly there are. Uh, the Philippines actually has a, a fair amount of Unitarians. That actually, again, connects to William Howard Taft, of, of oddly enough. Really? Because he was also uh, you know, in the Philippines before coming, so oh. it connects there. Interesting. Uh, and, you know, I think there's some in Mexico and uh, in Europe. And so they're, you know, Canada actually has, you know, quite a bit of, of Unitarians. So. And England. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Do you know what the size of the global community is roughly? Oh, total. It's hard to say. I mean, we yeah. joke sometimes about the difference between people who are actually members of UU congregations and people who sort of identify as UU. We call them free range UUs sometimes. Uh, so right. I, I, I'm actually right. not sure about what the, um, the yeah. exact numbers are worldwide. Yeah, I, I have often said I'm not a member of a UU community per mm -hmm. se, but I am a Unitarian and I am a Universalist, so I guess Medical, I'm a UU. Right, right. And I should probably explain that my book was published by Beacon Press, which is a UU press, uh, and so I should just come clean about that. <laughs> In fact, I'm tremendously grateful to the UU world for publishing my book, uh, which is on interfaith families because it's a progressive and challenging book for a lot of religious communities. And I often say that only a UU press would have probably published it. Um, and again, UU is Unitarian Universalist. If you're just tuning in, um, UUs call themselves UUs and there's probably a lot of jokes that somehow center around that because it's it's kind of a funny word. Yeah, but. we sometimes say UU it's not about you though. <laughs> right. Yes, you know, that exactly. it really is about this way of being in the world. Exactly. Mm -hmm. 
And um, Tababu, you hadn't really responded about the size of the Ethiopian community here in the D.C. area. It's like, isn't it the biggest it is, city besides? It is the largest Ethiopian community away from Ethiopia lives in the DMV area. Okay. But unfortunately, the census doesn't uh, uh, make account of your uh, origin, uh, country of origin. Right. And it's very difficult to, to, to actually find the exact number. But the estimate that we have is from... Uh, 200 to close to 700,000 in the DMV area. And of course, we're all very grateful, especially for all the restaurants that we have in our community. Um, I'm waiting for one to come to Tacoma Park proper. There you go. I, I know we have a lot in the Silver Spring area, not far away, but um, hoping also to see an Ethiopian coffee shop there here someday. Go. We're still praying for it. I'm Every praying. coffee ceremony is a prayer. Yeah. 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 Now, you were explaining that the three cups of coffee in the ceremony each have a, a name, a, an identity, and that the last one, the third one, is called Baraka. Yeah. Is that right? And yes. is, is that word in Amharic? It is. Uh, Amharic it, is. I hear uh, uh, Arabic there. You know, Amharic yeah. is uh, one of the three Semitic languages. Uh, so, three uh, Semitic languages. Yes, they, share a lot, they share a lot of words in common. And. Uh, so you f you'll find a lot of, like, Beit is house in Hebrew. Beit is house in Ethiopian. Even the sound of it. Uh, yeah. It's ancient. It's, it shares the same. So uh, Hebrew, Arabic, and Amharic, Amharic are all related in yes. their roots. Yes. Just as the religions have this deep, deep history. And True. I think people, if they don't already know this, uh, you know, probably are interested to know that, you know, the Queen of Sheba in the uh, Bible was an Ethiopian queen, right? Yes. In fact, uh, on, the, on, the, on the last trip to Ethiopia, I was looking for that cross I told you. There is in the Ethiopian ancient cross design, there's a star of David right in the mix of an Ethiopian cross. Nice. And this is symbolism that came from way back. We have like uh, over 100 cross designs. Every king assigned a designer to design a cross. So, yes, it is embedded in everything and all the symbolism. Were you looking for that cross to give it to me? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned it to you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. When, you, when you were writing your book. Yep. Yeah. I'm you. All right. We're going to have to wrap up. Um, you've been listening to Interfaith Ish on Tacoma Radio this hour. We'll be back in two weeks. I want to thank our guests, Carl Gregg from the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Frederick and Tababu Asefa, co-founder of Blessed Coffee. Thank you, guys. Thank you for the Thank invitation. Thank you.